This week on Farmers Inside Track, we share a guide to starting an artisan cheesemaking business with just a few cows. Yep, it's possible, and with the right amount of space, the setup will cost you about 24,000 rand. If your animal feed costs are breaking the bank, then you don't want to miss this week's tips on how to cut down on animal feed costs with expert farmers from across the country. And this week's Agripinia 101 features Given Ngwamba, a charcoal manufacturer. On top of our reading list this week is In a World Without Email by Cal Newport. And our farmer tip of the week comes from Kaya Maloney, vertical rooftop farmer in Johannesburg. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food for Mzansi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey, I'm Zanzi, and welcome to episode 96 of Food for Zanzi's podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I am Donumdu, the editor for audience and engagement at Food for Zanzi, and joining me is my co host, Duncan Masiwa. Hey, Dawn, I'm happy to be back, and I think we can officially start counting down the days until we get to 100. I am super excited. But first, our colleague Nicole Ludov chats to Kubis Mulder, a local cheese expert and author of Cheeses of South Africa, Artisanal Producers and Their Cheeses, who shares some tips to starting an artisan cheesemaking business. Thank you so much, Dawn and Duncan. Now, Kubis, can you tell us where an aspiring artisanal cheesemaker should start? What is the first thing they need to do to set up their operation for success? Cheesemaking is quite a romantic profession, but it mustn't fool people or the aspirant cheesemaker. That is just a nice thing to do. You need to know about the science behind cheesemaking. If you've looked up a couple of cheesemaking issues on Google, that doesn't really qualify you to make a cheese. You need to know exactly what kind of cheese you want to make, not just the kind that you want to make yourself. You need to know what kind of cheese that you make will sell because cheese making is after all also a money making issue. Cheese can be made with pots and pans in your kitchen, but good cheese is made with the right equipment which is fit for the purpose. So if you start with the wrong equipment, then you will battle to make cheese and you will battle to make a good cheese. Cheese making, if it's just a hobby, then it's a hobby. But most people make cheese, if not all people make cheese, to earn some money from it. So if, before you start up, make sure that you know enough about the cheese making process and how to make cheese from which you can earn some money. Because you can make a lot of cheese, which you will have to dump in your dirt box or cheese that you cannot really sell because the quality is not good. So don't just start. Because Google says it's so easy to make it. Cheese making is a science. It's a food science. Just like wine making is a food science. Hygiene in cheese making is obviously very important. What is the most important hygiene requirement a cheesemaker needs to be aware of? The issue of hygiene is without a doubt very important in any food making and more so in the case of cheese making. Milk is an ideal food not only for people, but also for bacteria, good bacteria and bad bacteria. And cheese making is to a large degree 
the management of the good bacteria and the destruction or killing of the bad bacteria that you don't want in your process. Hygiene keeps the bad ones out and the good ones you manage in such a way that they do in the cheese making process which you want them to do. Cheese making is a process of fermentation just like winemaking or beer making. It is the cheesemaker's responsibility to manage the fermentation process which is done with bacteria and yeast and molds. Some molds can be bad and some molds can be good. Some yeasts are good and some yeasts are bad. As a cheesemaker, you should know about these things. Otherwise, you're in for an unpleasant surprise. The bacteria in the milk itself are used in the process of cheesemaking. So is the chemical substances in the milk. To the milk, you add what we call a culture, which is just a selection of good bacteria. So you have lots of bacteria that you have to manage, and you cannot manage these bacteria if your hygiene is not excellent. So hygiene, again, is a science on its own. It's not about washing the equipment with your ordinary dishwashing liquid. That's not it. Ordinary dishwashing liquid is designed just to remove some grease. But there are other washing liquids, things that we call detergents, degreasers, and acids. So every cheesemaker should have a hygiene regime where the first step is talking about equipment. It's to rinse the equipment, wash it with an acid and an alkaline because these two substances do different things. And then you sanitize it and then you rinse it again before you use it. Hygiene, you can hygiene as much as you like. But if you don't remember that hygiene stands on four principles or legs, if you like, the strength of the solution is important. If you skim on the strength of the solution, because these solutions are expensive, you're wasting your time. If the temperature of the solution is not at the right temperature, you are wasting your time. How you wash it, in other words, the manner in which you wash it, the equipment that you wash it with, the brushes, not cloths, I'm not cloth, we don't ever want to see a cloth in a cheese factory. So if you don't have the right equipment, brushes and squeezes to use, you are wasting your time. The length that you wash the equipment with each of these solutions is important. Otherwise, you're wasting your time and you're not really doing good hygiene. As a dairy consultant, what is the most common mistake you see potential cheesemakers make? The most common mistake that I see uh, from time to time with artisanal cheesemakers or young cheesemakers is that they don't understand the science behind cheesemaking. They have somewhere seen a recipe for a certain cheese. There are no recipes in cheese. There are guidelines how to make it. Cheesemaking is a scientific process, mainly of fermentation. If you don't understand microbiology and chemistry of cheesemaking and how to manage the fermentation process, you are wasting your time and you will make bad cheese and be disappointed. So take the time to read some good books, scientific books. I know it's boring, but that's where the knowledge lies, not so much on Google. The second thing that you must understand, which I've touched on earlier, is that cheesemaking is mostly about making a good product that you can sell and earn some money. So you must understand 
where in the process of cheese making must you do the right things to make the most cheese from 10 liters or 100 liters or 500 liters of milk? You must understand what it means to obtain the right yield because it is the yield that you sell from which you can make money. So first of all, knowledge about the cheese making process, not just the recipe, the scientific knowledge. Understand how you can make cheese and make money from it. And then understand the market where you want to sell it. And right at the end, if you don't have the right equipment, you are giving yourself a lot of trouble and you will probably end up with poor quality cheese. Good luck. Thanks, Nicole, and great having you, Kobus Mulder. Kobus Mulder is, of course, a local cheese expert and an author of that book titled Cheeses of South Africa, Artisanal Producers and Their Cheeses. Remember, for more information about this, go to A Guide to Starting an Artisan Cheesemaking Business with a Few Cows. We now change gears to feed costs. Most farmers struggle with the rising price of feed costs, which continues to break their pockets and the bank. Now, expert farmers from across the country featured on hashtag Farm Spaces with Northwest farmer host Gugletu Matlangu highlight some of the ways you can cut down on animal feed costs. First up, we have livestock farmer and owner of Motobela Farming Enterprise, Ipelenkwadi. She says farmers should get into the habit of measuring animal feed intake and their wastage daily. Our speeches with other seven farmers where we were sharing our tips on the management of reducing the cost of feed in our farms. First of all, I'm one of the pig farmers in the Northwest province. Different experience to pig farming. You'll realize that pig farming is very expensive and pig farming needs a lot of management and a lot of attention. So there's a lot of mathematics in terms of the management of feed. A little bit background about my piggery program. In 2020, I started my piggery program. I was alone. I decided to buy 40 pigs. 40,000 and five balls. And during the farming, I decided that yo, there's a lot of management, there's a lot of money, it's costing me a lot. And the mistake that I've made was trying to save the costs by compromising my business. What I did, I approached my friends to come and invest in my piggery project. To those friends, they had no idea about farming. They were just ATM farmers. They would just pop out money and pay without wanting to find out what is really happening on the ground. So as the time goes on, the maintenance was very high and we had to compromise the health of our pigs. So at some point, there was an outbreak of pigs where all of the pigs had died. So at some point, I was forced to pay back my friends who invested on my business. So those are some of the things that we learn every day that whenever you do a business, you need to put down everything on white paper because in farming, there's a lot of risks. So I had to compromise my piggery project just trying to save the cost because they costed me a lot. That is one of the major problems. I did not do the research before I started my piggery program. Limpopo livestock farmer Noko Siboni advises cattle farmers on balancing grazing, feeding and supplementing your animals. Most of our farmers, what we're failing to do, we are failing to understand that even in our grazing camp, you, you need to walk around the camps to see how the cows graze, where do they graze, where do they start on the grazing camps, what types of grass do you have. Normally, you, you might find that you can feed once the cows are going out for grazing. They eat less. They are depending on you to give them more. So what you must try is to make them eat more and give them less. And then finally, 
Eastern Cape Livestock Auctioneer Atin Korsidenga highlights the importance of building relationships with feed suppliers to negotiate prices and buying in bulk. Let's say you and 10 farmers going together that you're going to buy a certain amount of feed. It doesn't have to be the full amount of feed that you might need for that period, but it might be an allotment that will get you the buffer. Because what happens when there's a drought, like what happened in 2016, for example, when the feed guys, um, whether you buy silage, whether you buy the pre-mixed ones, the prices go up. And whoever has the biggest war chest or rather the biggest financial muscle is the one that's able to get the feed. So if you're able to negotiate quite early, it might mean that you have to put in some financial skin in the game for that. You might have to put in deposit the previous year before you get the feed so that the farmer or the shop or the supplier we're going to buy from understands that you're committed to it. And then there should be a contractual agreement that binds all parties. Because even if you go through a period where that winter you didn't necessarily need that feed, it does not necessarily mean that you can throw away that feed. Because as farmers, you all understand that, okay, if there's feed, I can buy in wiener cattle, for example. The wieners, for example, I can buy wieners from another farmer that didn't reach the weight that that farmer wanted. So I get them cheaper. And I push the weight up to the desired weight for the feedlots. So I'm making my money back. It's a way of, of foreseeing the future, but understanding that there have to be certain steps which ties parties into that agreement. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. Thanks so much for joining us and sharing valuable advice. Livestock farmer Ipele Nkwadi, who was of course also joined by Limpopo-based livestock farmer Noko Seboni, along with Eastern Cape Livestock auctioneer Atinkosi Denga. Next up, our Agripreneur 101 features Given Nguamba, who is a charcoal manufacturer. Now, Given's inspiration came from a briar one night, where he found a surprising income source in agricultural waste. Now he can confidently share three tips on how to turn possibility into pay. Now, Given, you're a sound engineer by trade. Can you tell us, how you ended up in the brigade making business? Back in 2006, I graduated and went out, hustled to get a job. But unfortunately, I couldn't find a stable job that I'm looking for. So as time goes by, years goes by, I decided that I need to think of something that I can do for myself. Uh, instead of relying of getting a job because maybe that can take a while and it means that I will starve. I need to find something that I can do with my own hands and then create myself employment to feed myself and my family. Back in 2006, I started trying out uh, my online radio station, which was called whatsappradio.com and did work until it collapsed at the beginning of 2019. And from there, I decided no, I need to look for something else because this one looks like it's collapsing because online was very difficult for me to monetize it from where I am. I'm in Komazi, I'm in a rural area, data is expensive. So 2019, one time at my house, I was buying, you know, so 
I look at the pack and I remember that where I'm staying, there's sometimes you can buy charcoal coming from that side of Mozambique. You go to the border and you pick up charcoal and the big bag and so on. So I was like, if I can go and buy it there and uh, package it in a nice package and sell it, could be making money from there. What are some of the challenges you face in your business? It's putting the chain together. You know, you need to have people working from all the stations, carbonizing station, the briquetting station, the collecting station, and all those things. Once we get the chain moving continuously, and I would say now, now we are moving strongly focused. We can produce perhaps 20 to, to 50 tons a month. That was what we're looking for. So those are the challenges. We, we want to grow and um, it needs money. You need to buy bigger machines. You need to money to run. Business needs, needs a lot of things. But doesn't mean if we're going to give up. means we have to fight through. We have to push and put ourselves on the line to get it successful the way we want it to be. So, yes, I think that is one of the challenges that we're facing. Can you tell me more about how you actually make charcoal? Making my charcoal is we collect waste uh, from local farms. We go and store it in our carbonization station and we carbonize it. From carbonizing, there are processes. We need to crush it. From crushing it, you need to bake it on briquettes machines. And then there's a drying process from drying, then it goes to packaging. Then packaging goes to the retail shops or to the customers. So that's how it's done. Thanks, Duncan. And given Gwamba, a charcoal manufacturer and owner of Inzilo Charcoal Brigades. Now for our book of the week as chosen by farmers, it's In a World Without Email by Cal Newport. The author unpacks the impact of rapid task switching and the constant communication on both our productivity and mental health. Carolyn Sampson, Head of Strategy and Sustainability at Access Bank SA, reviewed this book for us. I've appreciated Cal Newport's work on the intersection between technology and social transformation since I first encountered his 2016 book, Deep Work. In his latest book, A World Without Email, he sets out to pull together everything we know about how we ended up in a culture of constant communication and the effect of rapid task switching on both our productivity and our mental health. I'm old enough to remember my stepfather, who was a researcher, coming home and telling us excitedly about an email reply he had received from an overseas associate that same day. He would receive 10 or so emails a week. Now we receive approximately 126 emails every day, plus other messages, which require instant responses. Cal's premise is that this is unsustainable over the long term, and that knowledge work requires better processes to ensure that we can apply our minds to our work. In the second part, he sets out a number of options suitable for companies wishing to make systemic changes, as well as individuals aiming to improve their situation. As usual with Cal, I would be much more productive if I consistently implemented his recommendations. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. It's yummy. It's good for you. And the whole family loves it. It's grain-filled chickens, proudly South African and mouth-wateringly delicious. Discover a world of tasty goodness and visit Grain-Filled Chickens, the COZA, or like our Facebook page for more. Grain-Filled Chickens, a proud member of VKB. VKB, for the love of the land. Yep, that sounds like a must-read for me. Remember, if you want to review a book or perhaps you have a book suggestion, please feel free to email us on info at foodformzanzi.co.za. 
Now, before we let you go, we now share our farmer tip of the week that comes from Kaya Maloney. He's a vertical rooftop farmer in Johannesburg. He says he started with nothing when he entered the agri-sector and encourages new farmer to not be discouraged by failure. I started with nothing but just speaking, connecting, collecting grants, going on Google, typing grants for this, sending business. And what you learn from that is that even when you fail, even when you don't win anything, your business plan, the strength of your business model just keeps growing because you realize why you didn't make it for the last competition, why you didn't qualify for the previous grant. Therefore, you improve on that and that informs your business and your business keeps growing and gets stronger and stronger. So I encourage failure when it comes to agriculture. Don't be disheartened by failure. Be able to walk away. There's no shame in walking away from maybe you decided to grow chilies and it don't work out. And so you decided potatoes. Maybe you tried to challenge ZZC in the tomato space and it didn't work out. And you moved to another crop. Or it will inform your knowledge as it pertains to agriculture. So don't give up. There's a lot of grants. There's a lot of initiatives. SAP, they also have a foundation that they have open right now for people that are looking to get into agriculture. The 2030 goal is to hit those four pillars, water, energy, food, and agriculture. There's so much grant and, and corporate social initiatives that are just looking to fund anybody in Africa and locally. The agriculture department has initiatives as well. But once you keep failing at applying for these things, your business grows and your network grows. And our Farmer Tip of the Week from Kaya Maloney Vertical Rooftop Farm in Johannesburg brings us to the end of this week's Farmer's Inside Track, proudly brought to you by Food Form Zanzi. For daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists who go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or YouTube. That's correct, Dawn. And remember, if you love this podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. The Farmer's Inside Track is available for free on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And of course, also on foodformzanzi.co.za. But from me, Duncan Masiwa, Dawn Numdu, Nicole Ludov and our producer, Megan van der Vent, and the rest of Team Food from Zanzi, have a great week. Corteva is in it for farmers, for good. As a company solely focused on agriculture, we understand the impact of climatic and soil diversity, the unique requirements of each region, each farmer, each crop, and the need for sustainability. To this, we apply our global mind with 5,000 researchers in more than 130 countries, ensuring farmers of advanced seed technology and guarding growing investments through innovative crop protection. Local investment includes research facilities on par with the best in the world and the largest private insectary in Africa. Advanced genetic breeding is combined with intense trials, testing and refinement in different bioclimatic zones to bring forth the best in-class products. Beyond in-seed value, our on-seed applied technology on farm crop protection, digital and agronomic solutions are all designed to optimize farmers' productivity, profitability and sustainability. Because by being wholly devoted to agriculture, 
we have a deeper understanding of farming, the needs of our farmers, and the country's need for farmers. This is what drives our researchers to find new avenues for sustainable growth. It is the reason for having state-of-the-art seed production technology on home ground. Our motivation for creating effective, locally proven solutions to protect land and crops with care for the future. This is the world of Corteva in South Africa. Growing progress, enriching lives, now and for generations to come. Corteva, keep growing. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food Form Zanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.